Gosh, I ate so much food. Next time we do something like this, we've gotta invite more people over post-pandemic. There's just gotta be some kind of natural limitation to me eating just so much pulled pork. My name's Clifford Stemmy. I'm a long distance runner wannabe and a big fan of showers that are just a little too hot. I have a crippling case of lifelong FOMO and I get super obsessed over specific things for a couple of months at a time and then drop them completely. My wife April thinks I'm manic. Rather than change, I decided to institutionalize my behavior. This podcast obsessed is my excuse to investigate with you hobbies and lifestyles that inspire obsession. Today's topic is smoking meat, particularly barbecue. If you're not familiar, basically really good barbecue happens when you season a chunk of meat, light a fire, put your meat in a smoker, which usually looks like a weirdly shaped grill, and then you wait for hours and hours and hours. So today we're gonna do two things. One, figure out why people are obsessed with this very boring sounding process. And two, I'm gonna try it out for myself and investigate from the inside. My introduction to this topic began when a mysterious package showed up on my doorstep. Turns out my parents had sent me a 16-inch bullet smoker for Christmas. So, I called them up. I, I really don't know anything about it. I've waited to ask you, what exactly is the, the meat smoking process look like? It's uh, like man against nature kind of deal. <laughs> okay. I think the pork shoulder or pork butt is, is the best and the easiest. You can put a good rub on it and uh, put it in your, your bullet, and then you got a pan of water underneath, and that pan of water helps create the smoke and keeps things moist. The bottom is where your, your briquettes are. You know, and you wanna get the right temperature, so you're challenging yourself, and you're always, I, to me, I'm always trying to make it better, make it better than I did last time, and understand my smoker better, because every smoker's different, and, and the smoker you got, I bought one. Yeah. And I, it smokes totally different than the, uh, the first one I had, it's just a lot of fun. And you get something really good afterwards to smoke meat. This is a nice little reward. How long does it take to smoke a piece of meat? It depends on the meat. You know, a typical pork shoulder or butt will be eight to 10 hours. Okay. You, so it's kind of like a start in the morning and keep an eye on it until dinner time. Right. Smoking is basically dad's mindfulness practice. <laughs> He does it to relax on the weekends. You know, it's got fire, it's got smoke, it's got heat, it's got need to the end. Mom, you originally got Dad the smoker, right? That's correct. He had talked about getting a smoker, and I thought he would enjoy it. And what I found out was the benefit in the end was that he would do the cooking. And so my guess is you partially are doing this as a gift for April so that I will do more cooking for her. I think that was my comment to dad, like, hey, that's a great gift, and I think April will benefit from it, too. I think that she'll appreciate that very much. I think everybody <laughs> who gets to eat what you cook will appreciate yeah. it. Well, let's not get too hasty. I should try cooking it first. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> now, let me be clear. I don't burn water or mess up instant oatmeal like my neighbor Caleb does, but I am no cook. Well, you know, I do make a mean bowl of cereal. I perfected the art of spinning the bowl in a circle while pouring milk to make sure each and every cornflake gets completely and deliciously so... 
you know what, this is kind of off topic. Uh, but overall, making good food is a very important skill that I have not attained. Am I a good cook? I don't know if you've ever really tried to be a good cook, to be fair. <laughs> so far, no. <laughs> I made you that one really good New York strip steak that one time. Yeah, you made me one meal one time in five years of marriage, and we have been uh, praising ourselves for that ever since. I have made you other things beside that. I have grilled stuff, and I have made other stuff, and I have, I made that one pizza and so many other good things. The pizza was a disaster, but it is fair to say that you have made other things besides the steak. I just think that the steak is like your, your one thing that you've ever been proud of, that you're like, this... Do you remember that one? Because I don't remember all the details. Do you remember that one time that we were cooking Thanksgiving dinner to take over for friends? Yes. No, yep. I remember that. What What happened? Well, we had to make a couple of things. I was making a pumpkin pie from scratch, which I was pretty proud of. Never done that before. Uh, and I said, Cliff wanted to help. So I told you that you could uh, make the like cooked carrots. Uh, and Cliff somehow managed to totally forget about the carrots, burn them. And then when he remember when I reminded him, oh my gosh, the carrots, Cliff, he was like, oh, shoot, I should set a timer. So he grabbed the timer off of the fridge, which was timing my pumpkin pie and set it for the already ruined carrots. So then I had to guesstimate on the pumpkin pie. I think we just picked up like another snack to bring along instead of the carrots. Despite these limitations, I'm tentatively down for the challenge. And along the way, I'm gonna interview four real-world meat smokers or barbecuers to figure out why people spend so much time smoking meat when they could very quickly and easily and inexpensively get a rotisserie chicken at Walmart. And that's why today we're asking, why are meat smokers obsessed? And secondly, but equally importantly, we're asking, when Cliff smokes meat, does he give everyone he loves food poisoning? Let's begin with my first attempt to smoke meat. It started with a harebrained trip to the grocery store to get a pork butt and other supplies. I woke up the next morning and after I put the smoker together, I had to season it to get rid of the factory smell. Starting the fire was a little bit harder than expected. I hope that that's the hardest part of this process. I realized I'd never actually started a charcoal fire before, uh, but apparently we have to break the smoker in, like season it, so we've gotta just burn a fire or a charcoal fire in it for two hours, uh, which is going to be pushed dinner back a little bit because it's like 9.30 now, uh, but but I think it'll be worth it. Uh, but it turns out starting a charcoal fire is a lot harder than I expected. I tried to do it the way that they said, and I eventually just gave up and went downstairs and got the lighter fluid, and it started right up. Super easy. As I was going to find out later, putting lighter fluid on your barbecue fire is actually pretty gauche. Is there anything else that, that beginner barbecuers or just people who have a, an interest in how the food is made should know? Don't use lighter fluid. Uh. <laughs> well, I eventually got the meat rub on and put my pork butt in the smoker. Based on everything I had read online, I needed to get its internal temperature up to 203 degrees. When I achieved 203, I would achieve success. But what followed was 100% the most stressful cooking experience I have ever had. During the cook, the smoker temperature was going up and down all over the place. There was nothing steady about this, and my meat wasn't heating up very fast at all. I shuddered to think what odious, hateful piece of garbage I was going to pull out at the end of the day. So I talked to one of the best cooks I know, my wife, April. Unfortunately, she had hiccups when we talked. 
So trying to get the heat up and this, I'm panicking a little bit. I'm kind of stressed out because <laughs> it's supposed to get up to like 250 degrees. And right now it's just kind of hovering around 150. And that is low. it's really low. I, I don't know what's going on. But all the while I'm stressing, April is sitting here very happy. Tell me what you said earlier. I said, I really want you to get into this. I really want you to decide this is your new thing. And I'm guessing that's because you want me to make lots of pork for you. Well, pork's not my big thing necessarily, but just like cooking meat to me is sorry, to cooking meat to me is the most stressful part of cooking. And if you cook all the meat and then it's a smoky, awesome meat, that's exciting. So you want to just put all the stress on me? Well, maybe you're less easily stressed out than I am, or something. <laughs> How this is going so far, I think, shows that that's maybe not true. Instead of giving in to the existential despair that was knocking at my door, I decided to call up some people who actually knew what they were doing. I had put out a call on Reddit and Facebook for meat smoking experts, and Mark and Miles, both originally from North Carolina, answered the call. We're going to hear more from them later, but now I'm going to share the advice they gave me. This is Miles speaking first. Every pork button, you're going to learn this today, has a stall. Mm. Um, the stall is the most terrifying thing in the entire world if you don't know that it's about to happen. Um, you get about somewhere 150, 160, 170, somewhere in that, that temperature range. And all of a sudden, for like an hour or two, it goes up like one degree internally. And you're like, what's happening? Is this thing ever going to finish? Am I going to get there? If you're on a time limit, you need to get past your stall. Well, then you need to wrap your, your butt in, in tinfoil and, and help it get past it. And why does the stall happen? Evaporative cooling. The, the meat's sweating. Uh, it's, it's trying to cool itself. And in doing so, it releases moisture and, and you just kind of have to power through it. It's making me nervous. I wonder where my, where my meat's at right now. Did you promise anyone dinner? I did, yeah. Well, the old, that's the second mistake that you learn when you're <laughs> cooking a pork butt. But if, 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 if that's where you are you know, today and you want to try to get it across the finish line a little faster, I suggest wrapping it in some tinfoil and putting it back on uh, when, okay. when, you, when you hit that 150, 160 range. I took Mark and Miles' advice to heart. I steadied the heat and wrapped my pork butt in tinfoil, and the meat started to heat up again. Things were actually maybe going to go well. But then, catastrophe struck. Our neighbors came over at 7 p.m. and the pork butt was still only at 190 degrees, 13 from the goal of 203. I panicked and pulled the meat off and started cutting it up. I couldn't make my friends wait for dinner, and, you know, I was actually getting kind of hungry too. Uh, but here is what April and my neighbors, Emily and Caleb, thought of my first pork butt. So, you've eaten my pork. What did you think of it? Uh, I liked it. I, it felt like a really good first effort. Ouch. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> Emily, what do you think? I thought it was really good. I liked the smokiness of it. I thought it could have been a little saltier. I don't know if that's something you have to do afterwards. And I know you were worried about the texture. I think some of it was as flaky or shreddy as you wanted it to be, but not all of it. I can tell you right now it wasn't seasoned all the way through. It's because you didn't listen to me and put the seasoning on hours in advance. And if you do that, that'll solve that problem. And yeah, it probably needed to go longer. But it was good. I will never make that mistake again. Uh, Caleb, could you taste the hickory smoke? I couldn't tell there was any hickory. 
On a scale of 1 to 10, Caleb, how worried are you that you're going to get sick after having eaten this pork? I may go purge right now. No, <laughs> no I, I, I mean, uh, I, I don't think so. If I started to get sick, though, I would sure as heck ask the three of you if you also got sick. And if we all got sick, I'm going straight to the ER. Despite the lack of encouragement from my friends, you know, I still felt like the pork butt was decent. And plus, I, you know, learned a few things that I could apply for my next cook, and I kind of felt like I'd earned my dinner, I guess. I invited Emily and Caleb to come back for round two in three days. By then, surely, I could figure out how to make this work. But instead of Googling the process this time, I was going to go straight to the obsessed. Let's start with my conversation with Miles and Mark. They've been friends for a while and grew up barbecuing in North Carolina. First, let's hear how Miles got his start smoking meat. Well, I was born in eastern North Carolina, and uh, by pure byproduct of, of being around it, I grew up with assuming that you know a whole hog barbecue was going to happen a few times a year. What are we going to grab for lunch, Mom and Dad? You want you want some barbecue? Yeah, of course, always. <laughs> In college, we would do whole hog barbecue for tailgates. As you get older, you get more toys to play with, and uh, uh, that's kind of how I, I arrived at it. I asked my wife for a master-built smoker because I wanted just to try it out, see how it was, and she bought me the El Cheapo Brinkman. Uh, one year for Christmas and started smoking pork butts and went from there. Is this something that you feel like you get better at with time and practice? Definitely. So I've done a few competitions since moving to Raleigh too. One second place in one of those competitions. You see what works and what doesn't work over time. Like you've Fine-tune your rub blends, you fine-tune your sauces, you fine-tune what kind of wood you're going to use, when you're going to wrap, if you're going to wrap, if you're not going to wrap. How does one go about getting second place in a barbecue tournament? So each competition is going to have its own set of rules, what the judges are looking for. When you're in a competition for the North Carolina Barbecue Society, it is wood, charcoal only. And everything else is about your tuning into the fire your temperatures, the amount of smoke that's being produced, and everything else that goes into that pork. What do you think about this whole process and the community surrounding it? What do you think inspires this level of obsession that people have, the strong opinions people have about their barbecue? Mark says barbecue has its regional loyalties. Well, barbecue means something different in North Carolina than it does almost anywhere else. When you say barbecue in North Carolina, you know that it's going to be pork. When you say barbecue in New York City, they're wondering what you're going to grill. And so even the definition is is contentious in its own right, right? And it's very much like sports teams. Any normal barbecue is fantastic to me. It doesn't mean that I'm not still going to go to bat for North Carolina barbecue and say, Hey, I think it's the best way to do it. You know, I think it goes back a little bit to, you know, almost like a primal instinct as well, right? I've read up on the history of barbecue and, and, you know, it goes back to pretty much Aborigines tribes and and, and African tribes where you, you kill an animal, you build a pit and you cook it. And so this idea of fire and 
feeding, you know, your family and, and, and your neighbors and, and all that is, is, is somewhat appealing. And it, and it builds that obsession in it because you get a chance to create a community, be part of a community, but also it has the flexibility where you can be unique within that community. You can have your own rub that you do. You can have it, you can do it the way that you, that you only do it. Right. So there's all these like little things that you can begin to kind of create your own fingerprint for. It's great because at the end of the day, you're eating barbecue one way or the other. Like Miles was saying, barbecue rivalries and regionalism are big in the U.S. And if you're talking to a barbecuer, you'd better not confuse it with grilling, which is very different, especially in the American South. The regionalism in the South goes so far as to have different types of barbecue and barbecue sauce based on where you live. For example, typically North Carolina is vinegar-based barbecue sauce, Georgia is tomato-based, and Alabama is mayonnaise. And partially thanks to these local loyalties, barbecue remains one of the most popular traditional American meals. My next interview was with Tucker, who I found randomly on Reddit. He's unique because despite only just getting into barbecue, he's already custom-built his own smoker. Uh, so how'd you get into smoking, Tucker? I... Honestly, had talked about building a smoker for a while, um, just something that seemed kind of fun for me. I always liked barbecue and stuff. And then my girlfriend got sick of hearing me talk about it. So one year for my birthday, just bought me a bunch of stuff associated with it and basically made it so I finally had to put my money where my mouth was and, and do it. And it's one of the, the best things she's ever done for me, just finally forcing me to, to do it. At this point, even I was beginning to notice a pattern. April, my mom, Tucker's wife, yeah. Meat smoking wasn't really about me. It was a secret plan by wives across America to get husbands off their butts to actually help make dinner. But despite the impending sense I was but a pawn in a greater scheme, I carried on. She has uh, definitely made out um, on her, uh, her initial investment and... Um... It seems to be be enjoying the the fruits of my labor just as much <laughs> as I am, and that's uh, I mean that's that's one of the coolest things about it for me is just you know you're making a a lot of food and it's just a nice nice way to get everyone together and uh, you know right. spend some time with your family your friends whatever uh, whatever you want to do. It seems to have this tendency to attract other people. To yeah, a yeah. Smoker. If you want to have the people over all day long and, and have them sit around and drink beer with you all day while you got something going for eight hours on the smoker, that works. Or they can show up at dinner time and just, just enjoy the food once it's there. Um, so, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you're throwing something on. You say, hey, it's going to be ready at this time. Show up whenever you want. I'm going to be sitting on the deck drinking beer until it's ready. And everyone everyone seems to have a good time. What advice would you give to somebody who's just trying to get into it? Just do it. The the only like the the only real thing that I I wish I did as far as smoking stuff is just that I wish I did it sooner. I I've only been doing this really for not even a year at this point. It's not as hard as as people think it is and yes there is a big difference between me and a a um, competition level pitmaster, but for sure, you know, you, you can make good food at home and you can make stuff that people are going to enjoy and that you're going to enjoy and have a good time doing it. My final interview was with Ken, the owner of County Smoke in my current town of Lynchburg, Virginia. He's been barbecuing for about 20 years. 
What, what kind of an estimate would you throw out there about how many pounds of meat you've barbecued? In my career? Oh, it's so hard. I mean, on a daily basis here, we're probably doing five to 700 pounds a day. <laughs> so, and we're open five days a week. Right, right now, we're getting ready to go to seven days. But I also worked at a place called Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue in Decatur, Alabama, where we were doing probably three times that amount of day. That's absolutely incredible. Um, so how did you get into barbecue in the first place? Um, well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and then I went to college out at Oklahoma State. I started eating barbecue at Oklahoma, you know, just as something to go eat when you were in college, and just loved it and thought it was great. But uh, I didn't know that I was going to get into barbecue. I thought I wanted to be a fine dining chef my whole life. I went to culinary school at the Culinary Institute of America, which is where my wife Jessica also went. And um, when I went then to be an apprentice at the Greenbrier, I just thought there'd be barbecue around there because it was West Virginia. I thought there'd, and I went looking for barbecue on one of my first days off and walked in a place that said it was barbecue. It was Spuds or something, I think it was called. I walked in, it was ladies in like white coats and hairnets and there was kettles of pork with barbecue sauce in it. And I was like, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> So I bought an offset smoker and I started, uh, on my days off, I would go and smoke stuff and then I would bring it to the guy, Ethan Heilman, who was the barbecue and catering chef of the Greenbrier at the time. And I'd meet him at, there was only one bar in White Sulphur Springs, but I'd bring it there and bring what I did and he'd tell me what was wrong or good and I just kept tweaking it and then it was around 9-11 in that time period that, that all this was kind of developing in my life and after 9-11 I think you can see that there's a shift in dining even and people just wanted more comfort food and, and that is what barbecue is it's a comfort food in my mind but you know if you think about family reunions and, and grilling those are the memories that you have of being around your families around a charcoal grill or around a smoker. What do you think it is about barbecue in particular that seems to foster community really well? Because a lot of types of food don't foster this kind of community. Like there's something unusual happening here. I think again, because the the traditions of barbecue were large cuts of meat, you're not gonna throw a whole pig on and invite two couples over. I mean, so automatically the scale of what you're doing is community. I mean, you didn't ask it, but the reason why we're called County Smoke is that there was a book that we, my wife gave me when we first moved to Virginia about Virginia barbecue history. And um, the first written documentation of barbecue was from Virginia. A lady was writing to her brother back in England about a, a, a barbecue where they smoked whole cows, whole pigs, some goats, and lamb. Four to five hundred people showed up, she said. And... You know, they, she spelt it, though, that they smoked these animals, S-M-O-A-K, in the Old English spelling. So then they used to have these county smokehouses, which were spelt uh, H-A-U-S-E, more like the German house. And that's where you used to, if you had a pig, you would bring your, your hams and your bellies to be smoked by the county smokehouse. They would smoke the items for you, and that's how you, because not everyone had the luxury of having a smokehouse on their farm. So my wife, when she came up with the name County Smoke, it was those two references together and that we've always wanted to be a place about community. 
is there anything else that that beginner barbecuers or just people who have a an interest in how the food is made should know about the process or the tradition or or just what you enjoy about it? Um, mistakes are opening up your smoker too often. The old ad, uh, phrase used to be, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. So that's one good advice. Don't use lighter fluid. Uh, <laughs> fire management obviously is key. And then taking notes. Um, final question is just, I mean, people who are in the Lynchburg area or traveling through, I mean, what should they know about County Smoke? Um, we're an all wood fired barbecue place that's, uh, we donate to our community. We have Thankful Thursdays, which is anybody in Decatur or the surrounding area that needs a meal because they've had a water heater go out or car trouble or whatever happened, or, you know, COVID. People, if you say, hey, we've got four people who are here for Thankful Thursday, we'll give you a free meal. We're here about the community. We're not here just to make money on the community and customer service. I mean, we try to be very friendly with everyone. It's a little harder to recognize everyone with mask on, obviously, because now it's like you just see their face and like maybe I'll see the same mask again. But uh, we pay our employees really well. I mean, our employees start at $15 an hour. So, I mean, that's a big difference, I think, from other restaurants in the area. Uh, but we do do a quality product that um, we serve fresh food every day. It's the real deal every day. Before we get into my second attempt at smoking, I want to say thanks to all my barbecue-obsessed guests, Mark, Miles, Tucker, Ken, and my mom and dad. I'll link to Ken and his wife's County Smoke website in my show notes, and you should check them out if you're ever in the Lynchburg, Virginia area. Also, the interviews you're hearing today are the highlights, but so much more was said and there's so much more to learn. So I've created a shadow podcast episode that includes in-depth versions of these conversations and a more informal discussion with me. You can find that on the Obsessed Patreon for just three bucks a month. If you don't have $3, sharing this podcast with your current best friend would be a big help to me and would strengthen your friendship. I think there were three big takeaways from my conversations with the obsessed. Number one, good barbecue creates good community. If you make a lot of food, you can't eat it all yourself. And if you make a lot of good food, other people will come help you out. Those dirty freeloaders. Second, part of the obsession of barbecue is the personalization. You pick your own rub or make it yourself. You cook the meat your own way. You specialize with a particular type of meat. In a small way, you get to express yourself and impress others with your unique style. Third, but most importantly, you can get better at barbecuing with time and practice. It's a skill just like any other. So there was hope my second cook could be better. Pretty soon it was Monday and time for my second cook. I'm not sure I was quite feeling the obsession my guests had, partially because my first cook had been a little disappointing. To fix that, I was going to do a few things different today. I had already put the rub on my pork butt the night before, and I was going to start cooking it earlier. Well, it is time for cook number two, and I'm having a little bit of trouble starting the fire this morning, but once I get that going, I'm going to I'm going to play this way more hands-off, and I'm going to set longer timers and not worry about it. They said that pork butt was such a forgiving meat and I'm going to, gosh, it was just really stressful last time because it was like, oh, is it too hot? Is it too cold? Is the fire going to go out? And if the fire goes out, I can just restart it. No big deal. I'm ashamed to say that after trying to start the fire for about 10 minutes, I gave up and used lighter fluid again. 
but I, you know, did let it burn off for half an hour before I started cooking. And of course, right after that, as I was putting the pork butt in the smoker, I learned something else dumb that I'd done before. I realized that last time I had pushed the thermometer all the way through the meat. Uh, so the tip was, you know, not inside the meat, which I'm sure affected some of the weird temperature readings I was getting. But what I'm running today is that it's kind of hard to, to get it hot enough. Like right now it's dipping down to like 175. And so I'm reading a bunch of articles and trying to figure out what exactly I'm doing wrong. I resolved the low heat situation in two ways. First, I accepted that I was cooking in 40 degree weather. Some heat was just going to get leached off. Second, I kept adding more fuel than I thought I needed. So I feel like it's going a lot smoother for you this time than last time, yeah? It's definitely a lot less stressful. It, uh, I'm not as worried about what's happening or checking it as often, and it's staying steadier. I feel like that's the goal, right? It's for it to just be easier? Yep. Yeah. Let me give you a hug. <laughs> oh, you smell terrible! Oh, gross! Despite April's lack of appreciation for my smoky, manly smell, I carried on, checking it, not too frequently, but consistently, adding fuel as needed, and just in general, trying to enjoy the process. And then, many, many hours later, though still before dinner time, the pork butt reached 203 degrees. I am elated, and I have so much excitement right now because after nine hours, almost exactly, the cook is complete. It looks so good. We made it to 203 degrees, and now we're letting it cool off like Ken said I should do. Uh, probably for not as long as he said, but it's still going to be amazing. And the fire was still going, so we put the mac and cheese on it like Mom suggested, so it's going to get smoked, and this is going to be incredible. But my enthusiasm was not the measure of success. Emily and Caleb were to be the final judges. All right, guys, what'd you think of the meat? I I liked it better. It it uh, I hate using this word, but it felt more moist. <laughs> uh, it just it was juicier. Uh, the taste is still lingering in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I talked a big game about smoking something to beat you. I don't actually know if I could beat this one. April and I were talking about how, I mean, well, personally, I thought the last one, it was good, but it was a little chewier and there was some fat in there that I kind of discarded. Yeah, there was a lot of fat on that last one. Yeah. But this one had like none of that. It was just, was, and it pulled right apart. It was so good. It felt like that's what happened is all the fat that was strung through it before actually melted and got into the meat, which was helpful. Yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say that's what happened too. Did you guys like sense a smokiness to it at all? I felt like I could taste it. It, it it was different than normal pulled pork. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I, I mean, this has made me kind of want to buy a meat smoker at this point and learn some of these secrets. It's, it's catching. Uh, so the ultimate question, if I invited you guys over for pulled pork again, but somebody had also invited you out to the nicest restaurant in town that same night, would you come over to my house or go to the nicest restaurant? No, no. You do live next door, so it is significantly easier to just come over <laughs> for your food. I think I'd do the pulled pork. There, there's a, there's kind of an earthiness to eating meat that was smoked out on your back porch as opposed to, you know, something in the finest kitchen in our small city. Yeah, stepping back, what, what restaurant are we talking about here? <laughs> there was an $80 steakhouse. Like, you can't get a steak cheaper than 50 bucks downtown. You would be fools if you came here. Would I pay for it? In neither situation, no. Uh, 
the steakhouse, man. Okay, my own wife is abandoning me. But this is really good. You could serve it at that restaurant and you'd be fine. I'll have to tell Ken he's got some competition coming. I don't think I've ever had someone enjoy something that I cooked so much. Hearing Emily and Caleb talk about my pork butt made me feel really good. And I'll be honest with you guys, I would put that pork butt in the top 10 meals I've ever had. It was juicy and salty and just so, so good. My second question was answered. I hadn't given my friends food poisoning and I had actually made food people liked. Normally when I get obsessed with something, it's usually very intense for a short amount of time. But if you call smoking something every couple of weeks and really enjoying the process and obsession, I'm considering becoming obsessed. In fact, at the time of this recording, I've got a turkey smoking out on my back porch right now. And that brings us back to our final question. Why are other people obsessed with smoking barbecue? Well, the easy answer is the food itself. And I don't want to overcomplicate this. That pork butt was amazing. And I still dream about it to this day. But if I had to give a more narratively satisfying reflection, I'd say it's a few things. My obsessed friends mentioned the community and the personalization and the opportunity to get better at it. And like the Lord of the Rings trading card game in our last episode, I think smoking meat taps into some of our primal instincts. Re-listen to what Miles had to say about it. You, you kill an animal, you build a pit and you cook it. And so this idea of fire and feeding you know your family and and, and your neighbors and, and all that is 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 somewhat appealing and it, and it builds that obsession in it because you get a chance to create a community be part of a community barbecuing calls on some things that are really important to us humans friends family a challenge and food and I think I'm starting to see in my investigations in this podcast overall that for an obsession to really be popular it's got to touch on some central human values or needs. And I think barbecue fulfills the need to be with people, to eat, and to do it all in a way that lets you be unique. You get to pick your meat, your cooking process, your rub, all that. But honestly, I think the most important draw is something I heard in each of our interviewees and that I felt personally. There's a lot of pride that comes out of making a meal that fills people up and makes them really happy and gets them to compliment you. And I theorize that it's this providing for others in a way that makes you feel special that really fuels the barbecue obsession. But of course, maybe we shouldn't overcomplicate barbecue. That pork butt was really, really good. Thank you for listening to this episode of Obsessed. I'm Clifford Stummy. If you want to hear the more in-depth versions of the interviews in the show and get a more unscripted discussion from me, you can get all Shadow episodes on the Obsessed Patreon for just three bucks a month. The link's in the show notes, and it's a fantastic way to support this show. If you appreciated this episode, also please consider rating this podcast wherever you listen and gifting a link to this episode to one person you think will like it. If you follow me on Instagram, you can see a picture of my second cook, as well as my smoker. I'll talk to you next time when we go a completely different direction and I explore the glittery, poppy, moody world of Taylor Swift fandom and ask why everyone seems to be so obsessed with her. I've got something to confess. I uh, was trying to start my fire this morning 
um, and on Friday morning, couldn't get it going. I pulled out the lighter fluid and and did it that way. Um, how how bad is that? Um, well, there's. I think it's very bad. 